Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and I'm glad that you can join me today as we turn to God's Word for wisdom and guidance. We are living through a significant time in history when turning to that Word is vital, and living out that Word is our sacred duty. I've drawn today's Bible lessons from the speeches of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., whose birthday we will soon celebrate as a nation. I can think of no one else whose words are more relevant for us as a people under God today. In a time of hatred, he preached love. In a time of violence, he urged peace. In a time when people sought to satisfy their own desires, he preached the common good. And in a time of division, he preached And so we turn for inspiration to the same prophetic words from Scripture which inspired him. Amos 5.24 Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Isaiah 40, verses 4-5 Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places a plain. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And finally, Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On August 28, 1963, 250,000 Americans made their way to Washington, D.C. by planes, trains, and automobiles, and buses, and gathered on the Capitol Mall at the foot of the Lincoln Memorial, to peacefully protest racial injustice and segregation that had existed at the founding of our nation, survived a great civil war, and thrived through the Jim Crow era. They assembled to hear the icon of peaceful protest and political action, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., speak at an event that went down in history as the March on Washington. Monday, January 18th, 2021, marks the annual celebration of the life of Dr. King and his achievements in advancing the cause of civil rights for African Americans. Due to the COVID pandemic and the violent assault on the Capitol building on January 6th, during this year's celebration, the Capitol Mall will stand empty as it will two days later for the presidential inauguration. The confluence of these two important American celebrations is a matter of coincidence. Martin Luther King Day is celebrated on the third Monday of every year, placing it in proximity to King's birthday on January 15th. This year's celebration is especially important in light of recent events and the challenges that we face as a nation to be certain that our remembrance is not lost in the noise. 
The greatest memorial to Dr. King is not any of the statues erected in his likeness, but the I Have a Dream speech, which he chiseled out of words and delivered at the historic march on Washington. This speech, which he had wanted to deliver for a long time, was almost omitted from the historic gathering at Lincoln's feet because King's advisors deemed it trite and unsophisticated. But as he began the speech that his advisors had prepared, he moved by the Spirit, he said, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. He started before launching into his most famous passage. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And then he abandoned his script entirely. King employed rhetoric that could have been written on an envelope by the pen of Abraham Lincoln himself. He said, I'm happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American, in whose symbolic shadow we stand today, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. The Emancipation Proclamation, which King quoted, issued during the Civil War in 1863, exactly a hundred years before King referenced it, provided a great hope and promise for the slaves in America. Lincoln proclaimed, and by virtue of the power and for the purpose aforesaid, I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of states are and henceforward shall be free, and that the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authorities thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of said persons. Sadly, King had to report on that day that the promise had not yet been fulfilled. He said with calm and dignity, underlaid with sadness and disappointment. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. One hundred years later, the Negro is still languishing in the corners of American society and finds himself as an exile in his own land. So we have come here today to dramatize a shameful condition. Despite the civil rights legislation that had been passed since King delivered those words, including the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Acts of 1965, King's dream has not been fully realized.
Despite the progress toward equality and opportunity for African Americans, the persistence of white nationalism and racism belie the belief that the wounds of the past have been healed and the wrongs righted. King said, The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And he was right. The arc of the moral universe is very, very long. The arc of history is still bending. I can think of no better way to honor King's memory than by turning to those four verses that were so important to him. First, Amos 5.24, Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Often we overlook the centrality of justice in the message of the Old Testament prophets, which was in turn picked up and preached and lived out by Jesus Christ. The central thread of the Bible is entwined with the desire of God's people to live in a world where justice, fairness, and equality prevail. Throughout their history, the people of Israel had been oppressed by foreign powers. Internally, powerful political and religious elites oppressed the poor and the lowly among them. The masses at the bottom struggled for food to eat and an adequate place to live. They were treated as less than human. They lived in constant fear for their lives at the hands of merciless and capricious military and civil authorities. Jesus' cry for justice echoed thousands of years of prophetic proclamation. The arrest, trial, and execution of Jesus, an innocent preacher of love and peace, bore ultimate witness to injustice and the frustration of God's will. Our next scripture, reading from the most significant of the Old Testament prophets, makes a hopeful promise. Isaiah 40, 4-5 Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places a plain. God is love, but the other pole of God's identity is justice. God is just. God calls his people to reflect that image. And God is working in history to bring creation back to its original goodness and fairness. Isaiah uses beautifully poetic topographical images to illustrate God's intent and promise for the future. The valleys shall be exalted. The valleys are the depths of suffering and despair of the poor and the powerless. At the same time, the mighty and the powerful will be brought low. The kings and tyrants pulled down from their thrones. The crooked shall be made straight speaks for itself. Dishonesty will no longer be tolerated. And the rough places, the obstacles placed in front of people, will be bulldozed by the righteous hand of God. That is the good news of the prophets. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will be a great reversal of fortune. The psalmist also sings a hopeful melody, Psalm 35. Weeping may stay for the night, 
but rejoicing comes in the morning. God's people have had many reasons to weep. They've endured suffering of every sort. They've been murdered. They'd seen their families slain in war. They'd endured plagues and famines. Mothers had seen their children ripped from their arms. They had labored under the whips of taskmasters from generation to generation. The good news, however, is that the suffering of humanity is not permanent. God is working through history, through his people, to turn things around. God will wipe away the tears from their eyes. When we are brought down, we will be lifted up. That applies to us as a people, and it applies to us as individuals. The ultimate realization of this promise came through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Although he suffered and died, he was raised to new and eternal life, the greatest reversal of all. Death and suffering exist, but life wins. As Sam Cooke sang back in the 60s, it's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change going to come. Oh, yes, it will. Our final scripture comes from Paul, who bore witness to the transforming of the power of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.8 There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, the arbitrary walls that we erect to separate us from others have been pulled down. In Jesus Christ, race and ethnicity are no more. In Jesus Christ, slaves have achieved equality with their masters. In Jesus Christ, there is no distinction between men and women. We are all one. God calls us to unity. God calls us to community. This was the most relevant scripture of all to Martin Luther King. His was a call to unity. He called us to be one nation under God. As King wrote his speech, he knew that none of those four scriptures had been fulfilled. Justice was not rolling like a river. Justice had been reduced to a trickle. Great valleys and mountains and rough places made up the landscape upon which he lived. Although there was a cause for some rejoicing, there were still too many occasions for weeping. And as for the unifying of the races, the religions and the sexes, the slaves and the free, well, that was still just a dream. As we look back upon King's speech and consider his unrealized dream, we must confess that those verses have still not been fulfilled. In the turmoil which is besieging our nation, King's dream has been deferred yet again. And as the poet Langston Hughes wrote, What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat, or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode 
well, in answer to use. We still have a dream. That dream has not dried up. It does not fester and sink or sag under its own weight. And God willing, and if we will keep the dream alive, it will not explode. There will be a day when we all can sing in unison. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. Keep dreaming the dream and sharing it with others. May God bless you and keep you. God dry every tear from your eye. May God's love and grace dwell in your heart and give you peace.